the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. As we roll into Hour 2 of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program, we're going to talk about CBD this hour with the uh, uh, co-founder and um, director of Project CBD, who has uh, teamed up with Reader's Digest to come out with the Essential Guide to CBD, and we're going to find out all about CBD with uh, Martin Lee, who joins me by phone. Martin, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Tom. Pleasure to be with you. Um, can we start off? This may seem like kind of a dumb question to you because you're so knowledgeable about this subject, but what is CBD? Well, it's really not a dumb question at all because, frankly, a few years ago, no one knew the answer to that question, at least not outside the scientific community. Well, um, I, bring that, I bring that up, Martin, so you can draw some differences because most people see CBD and they think marijuana. Uh, because mm-hmm. if marijuana hadn't started being legalized around the country, we probably wouldn't have CBD. Uh, actually, that's, that's correct. You know, uh, CBD stands for cannabidiol. That's, that's the scientific name. And it is a compound, a component of the cannabis plant and and cannabis you know is an ancient plant going way back it's been used thousands of years uh, medicinally Um, and and there are different forms of cannabis you could have hemp uh, which is uh, used for industrial purposes to make fiber and and a lot of different products or you could have what people colloquially refer to as marijuana which is actually the flower tops of the cannabis plant or a certain kind of cannabis plant that has a uh, a lot of uh, medicinal compounds in it, including CBD. Um, and people are very excited about CBD these days 
because unlike its sister compound, uh, THC, which stands for tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the component in cannabis that makes people feel high when they consume it, uh, CBD does not make one feel high. It might make one feel good in that you feel less pain or less anxiety, but you don't get what, what pe- but you don't get stoned. You don't get uh, uh, psychoactively um, uh, altered consciousness like you do from THC. So CBD, in essence, is a very significant, important component of the cannabis plant that's not intoxicating, but has many different uh, therapeutic attributes, which people are now uh, discovering. Um, and, you know, it really fell into abeyance because CBD has always been part of the cannabis plant, but because of prohibition, because cannabis is against the law federally, actually since 1937 and still is, um, uh, CBD kind of faded into the background because the people involved with cannabis were more interested in emphasizing the part that gets you high. So the, the way things played out, sort of CBD fell, fell into the background. But it was rediscovered in California about 10 years ago as part of the medical cannabis world. Um, and it was very important discovery because it meant that people who wanted to access the benefits, the health benefits of the cannabis plant, could do so uh, without necessarily getting high, although that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but the fact of the matter is not everybody enjoys uh, smoking marijuana, uh, the feeling that one gets from there. Uh, so with CBD is now part of the picture, one can actually access certain varieties of the plant and certain products and compound extracts made from the plant that actually don't get you high at all, um, that, but that have a lot of medical benefits. And that's really what's significant. I think it's driving the popularity of CBD because people have already been intrigued by what they hear about marijuana as having medical benefits. And there's, a, there's definitely some real things going on there. Um, but people don't really necessarily want to embrace, some people don't want to embrace marijuana because it has the stigma, it's illegal, has a long history of uh, uh, conflict with the law. And yet now we have a compound uh, that can give you some medical benefits. And technically, that's not even illegal anymore. It's it's legal uh, for a plant that is what we say rich in CBD but doesn't have a lot of THC. It's legal to grow hemp plants now. So it's an exciting development. And and it's something, um, this is kind of... at, you're kind of at a crossroads with CBD because um, as marijuana has been decriminalized and, and made uh, legal both medically and recreationally in various states around the country and the, the trend seems to be toward full legalization of marijuana at some point in the foreseeable future, it tends to be people that are already uh, either they have used marijuana or do use marijuana to get high that are accepting and and uh, considering the benefits of, of CBD. Um, are people who don't have any connection to marijuana beginning to learn about the benefits of CBD? You know, most most definitely that's the case. You know, a lot of people who really weren't inclined to try marijuana, use marijuana for whatever reason, um, have a much more open mind uh, about cannabis when they hear about CBD and, and the health benefits there. So really uh, what, what CBD has uh, done is acted as a catalyst 
to accelerate a development that was really already underway, as you point out. We are moving in what we might say is a sort of a pro-cannabis direction in our society. Uh, marijuana has been legalized in many states medically and then for adult use, Michigan as well, of course. Um, but that, that trend was already beginning. And then when CBD re, really re-entered the picture in, in 2010, that, that um, catalyzed that whole push even fa- faster. And I think CBD has been a factor in, in leading to the loosening of the laws around marijuana. Um, and I think ultimately that's a good thing because you know, this plant has been part of human culture going back thousands and thousands of years. Um, and people didn't have a problem with it, and, and it got kind of caught up in the politics in the 20th century in a way that I think was detrimental to society as a whole because you know, people, people might not realize it, but in, in the 19th century in the United States, the second half of the 1800s, um, cannabis marijuana was one of the most widely used medicines. It was it was very uh, it was legal and it was in many different tinctures and so forth. And in those days, it was always including the CBD as part of the mix. Um, but we've become disconnected from the plant. We've lost that connection to the medical value of the plant as a result of the uh, prohibition. But now that's changing, and we're moving back and we might say it's more normal relationship with the plant. And, and CBD has a lot to do with I think that at this point. It's been an important factor. You know, I, I've heard people talking about the benefits of CBD, and I've, I've experienced them myself. Um, but they, a lot of people, sort of, you mentioned the late part of the, uh, the 19th century, in the last half of the 1800s, and, and it got me thinking that some of the people that um, talk about the uh, the benefits of CBD sound like medicine barkers from those days. You know, it cures everything. Um, <laughs> is that the case? Does it cure everything? Well, I think your perception, I agree with it. It does sound a little bit like a snake oil, the way people talk about it. Yeah, I just have this picture of W.C. Field standing next to a a, a wagon, a horse-drawn rag, a wagon with, uh, you know, all these these this banner across the wagon, and and he's you know gathering a group of people around, and he says it cures cancer, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I, I just have that image sometimes when I hear people talking about the benefits. You know, one has to be careful, and, and, and one should be skeptical about these things, frankly, and, you know, assess something rationally and, and decide if it makes sense to try something like this or uh, you know, try to get a, uh, just make sense of the whole picture. Here's what we know scientifically. Um, why does CBD have any effect at all? Why does THC, the high-causing part of marijuana, have any effect? Um, these compounds in the, carob- uh, in the cannabis plant, they work, they function because they, they mimic and augment compounds in our own brain and body that, that, that we produce, that all humans produce, that all mammals produce. Um, and the, the uh, category of botanical compounds that THC and CBD are part of, they're called cannabinoids. So there's plant cannabinoids, and there's also, it turns out, human cannabinoids. Those are called endocannabinoids. So we have um, the plant cannabinoids that when we consume them have a, a similar effect to, to, to our own human cannabinoids. Um, and these endocannabinoids are part of something that scientists refer to as the endocannabinoid system. And this is a relatively recent discovery in, in biology and science. It's only going back to the 1990s that 
scientists really started learning about the human cannabinoids. And the fact of the matter is the way we live our lives, we're exposed to stress, we go through um, you know, all kinds of experience that sort of wear us down. Uh, and as a result of that, our endocannabinoid system uh, doesn't work as well as it ought to. And when that's the case, supplementing with a product that has a CBD and perhaps also THC can augment and boost this very, very important system, the endocannabinoid system, which turns out, and this is not controversial anymore to say in science, the endocannabinoid system regulates all the other systems in our body, the way our heart works, the way our brain works, the way we feel pain, the way we process sugar, the way we, uh, our bone density, our mood, so forth and so on. Every single physiological process that's been studied, it turns out the endocannabinoid system plays this role of maintaining balance in that system so that when something goes off with our endocannabinoid system, uh, it can result in diseases, um, in health conditions, aberrant health conditions uh, that can manifest in a variety of different ways. So when people hear about uh, others singing the praises of marijuana, all the things it does, or all the things that CBD does, it actually scientifically is not as far-fetched as it might seem. But there's a big gulf between just saying this stuff works like this and actually making it work for a person in their life. It's not a matter of, oh, just take a pill and, you know, and everything is honky-dory from that point on. Um, it takes some work to figure out, hopefully with the guidance of a physician who's knowledgeable in these areas. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of doctors aren't really uh, well-versed in cannabis. I was going to ask you about that, if, if doctors yeah. are, are, are beginning to be more uh, accepting of, of this medical option. I, I think it's a mixed bag. You know, uh, when you go through medical school, you're not taught about this stuff. And as uh, any good doctor, I think, will be hesitant, understandably, to go make recommendations or prescriptions or, or talk about something, give advice about something that they're not really knowledgeable about. So understandably, uh, some doctors are, are uh, res reticent uh, about weighing in in this area. But um, there are also other doctors who realize, you know, this is, this is very popular. Uh, it's important to educate themselves about this. And, and increasingly, doctors are coming into the fold. There, there's some really amazing cutting-edge doctors who are doing remarkable work with these CBD and THC oil extracts who really are helping people who are far gone in terms of diseases, who nothing else helps, and they, they find their way to a doctor who specializes in this area. And sometimes, lo and behold, uh, they can uh, turn a child life who's been uh, undergoing hundreds of epileptic seizures a month and where the regular drugs aren't working to get it so that they, all the seizures are eliminated or very few happen. This we hear time and again with CBD in particular. And in fact, Martin, CBD Martin, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I have to put a comma there. I have a break coming up. Um, can you stick around sure. so we can talk some more? Of course. Great. My guest is uh, Martin Lee. He is uh, the uh, co-founder and uh, president of uh, Project CBD. They've teamed up with Reader's Digest for the Essential Guide to CBD. And we're going to talk about that book and CBD some more with, uh, with my guest Martin Lee after we let our broadcast partner squeeze in a few words. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue now with my conversation with the uh, founder and uh, director of Project CBD, who has uh, uh, teamed up with the editors of Reader's Digest for the Essential Guide to CBD. His name is Martin Lee. He joins me by phone. Martin, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem at all. Um, just before the break, we we were starting to talk about uh, doctors and their acceptance of this as a credible um, medical treatment. Um, is there is is has the science caught up so that there are places? Uh, you mentioned that they're um, not teaching about this in medical school, um, but is there enough science that they really should adopt that in? Uh, medical education programs? Oh, yes. I, I think any medical education that doesn't include um, a significant uh, focus on the endocannabinoid system, which is so essential to understanding human biology and physiology, uh, would be uh, ne- negligent. And, and it is happening increasingly. You know, there's sort of a bifurcation. Um, you'll find that American colleges and universities, uh, dozens, if not hundreds, have research departments that are researching uh, this field of cannabinoid science, both the human side and the plant side. Uh, but they're not giving drugs to people here. They're, they're just focusing on uh, what happens when you give a compound to a mouse, what, tracing what happens in the mouse brain and so forth and so on. But there's a lot of work going on in the United States and all around the world uh, uh, for this. But there's a disconnect between the, the hard science and the therapeutic applications. What we have right now is a situation um, where there's actually extensive, there's been literally thousands of papers, uh, scientific papers, researched, peer-reviewed, published. You can access this through the National Library of Medicine. Uh, They have an online section. Any citizen can go in there and find these papers and read them. Um, granted, you know, they're written like in science you know, it's not, not so easy sometimes to understand the science, but the fact of the matter, there's been a lot of pre preclinical research that, that documents how these things work in the brain. And, um, and, and, and this is not controversial. Uh, then we have, on the other hand, um, so many people, millions of people already in the United States who are making claims about the effects of uh, cannabis, whether it's THC dominant cannabis or CBD cannabis, uh, saying that they're having it's having positive effects on their health. But well, yeah, I've, uh, Martin, I've heard everything from curing cancer to removing moles. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I think one has to be very careful about the claims that are made. But we, but I do take very seriously uh, when a doctor tells me that they're working with these very potent. Uh, cannabis oil extracts, uh, usually a lot of CBD in there, uh, and they're working with children with cancer who nothing else have helped, or children with epilepsy who don't respond to uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Um, if CBD can help these situations, I think that's fantastic, and they do. Uh, that's what we're hearing. I'm not assuming that's going to be the case in every situation, but, uh, but we've documented that from our discussions with doctors, um, on our website, projectcbd.org, we have examples of this. That doesn't mean it's going to help everybody in this way, but if it can help anybody, that's great. You know? But you know, the problem is for doctors right now, and I think you've honed in on kind of the weak link on all this, is the medical community. 
Uh, they're not quite there yet. They take their cues from the FDA, and, and they don't really go beyond that. Um, uh, we don't. What we're lacking really is in, uh, sufficient clinical research, clinical trials, where CBD or combinations of CBD and other components of the plant are given to actual people, not just mice, so we can see what it does in a clinical trial. It's happening a little bit now in certain situations. Uh, CBD, pure CBD, is an approved pharmaceutical by the FDA, but only for these very rare epileptic conditions for children. Um, even though the, the scientific implications, it could be good for a lot more, uh, that's the only thing it's approved for right now. So what we're, we, we've got a lot of preclinical animal studies that show how it works. We have extensive anecdotal reports from individuals and people who are saying it does work, but we're missing uh, sufficient clinical studies to quote-unquote prove it works. And until we have those clinical studies, uh, doctors and uh, other medical professionals are, are going to be reluctant to go full force on all this. Now, some are, uh, but a lot still are holding back. And I, I can understand their, their uh, hesitation and reticence. Uh, but, you know, at this point, ultimately, the obligation is to help a patient in any way possible. And, and if uh, compounds from the cannabis plant can, can be of help, they, they should be made available for people to use. You know, a lot of people thought as the um, issue of medical marijuana was making it onto ballots in states around the country, that somehow this was a step to just legalizing marijuana, that the, the medical benefits were, uh, you know, sort of made up as a justification for making recreational marijuana legal. And and I think that's caused some people to be a little reluctant to accept the benefits and to understand the differences between um, THC and CBD. Um, I, the The idea that somebody would just smoke a joint and, and all their health problems would go away is is really kind of in the way of the real science, which is what makes this new book that you worked on with the uh, editors of uh, Reader's Digest. It's uh, published by Reader's Digest, and it's not a, a condensed version like you might think when you hear Reader's Digest. It's pretty uh, expansive. Um, Martin, how did how did you and Project CBD get teamed up with Reader's Digest? Well, actually, you know, Project CBD was the first website uh, devoted to focusing on educating people around um, CBD and its medical potential uh, and the medical potential of the cannabis plant. Uh, but in terms of CBD, we really were the first. We launched in 2010. And you know, there's a whole story behind that I don't need to get into. We're based in California. California had medical cannabis laws already, and, and it sort of emerged out of that milieu or community. Um, and and our, our website is a, a really great resource, if I might say. It's not commercial. You, you don't go on there and get hit with all kinds of uh, uh, advertisements or anything like that. We try to keep that away from things. Just present the information based on what scientists are saying, what doctors are saying, and what patients are saying. And uh, we try to orient our our uh, presentation to uh, be so that it's respected by scientists, but understandable by a layperson, by understandable by a non-scientist. And we've managed to do that in a way that attracted the attention of Reader's Digest and others. Uh, you know, our website's actually now in several languages, and uh, people refer to it as a resource all around the world. If Reader's Digest approached us, this was 
before COVID, if you can imagine. We <laughs> back at that time, you know, and they had a very ambitious idea that they were going to put a book together very quickly based on the content on our website. And I, I was a little bit hesitant initially, quite frankly, because I thought they were being overly ambitious in terms of how quickly they thought they could get it done. And then COVID hit, and of course, it, it blew the whole schedule wide open that we, we had to adjust. But I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Um, they use their resources and our resources. We put them together, and I think we really have a valuable, um, a valuable book for people that is going to be very understandable and will help people uh, move forward in terms of deciding if they want to interact with CBD and if they do, how do they go about doing it? Because it's it's one thing, you know, it's it's kind of a mess out there, frankly, in terms of all the, all the claims that are made, being made and the products that are well. Now and and I want to go back and and um, underscore something. I. I made this sort of cartoony reference to somebody just smoking a joint and all their health problems went away and that's not really what this is about it's that's not how you consume cbd um how it's administered um is it a controlled substance and and does it have to be um, doled out with prescriptions from a doctor or can people walk into uh, a shop someplace and and buy this you know, the, the legal status of, very CB, of CBD is very confusing right now because, technically speaking, it is fully legal if it comes as a prescription uh, recommended by a doctor for a child with epilepsy. Uh, in that sense, it's fully legal. Uh, once you go beyond that, you get into a little bit of a gray area. It is now legal uh, for a farmer uh, to grow a hemp plant, meaning cannabis, with less than 0.3% THC in it. And that might will have more CBD. It's now that's legal to grow. Presumably, it's also legal to make products from these plants. And but we're in a gray zone because the FDA has been sort of laggard and it hasn't really uh, fulfilled its responsibility of stepping in to regulate the products that are proliferating now. You you know anyone with a computer or an iPhone can get CBD in about five minutes. Uh, they they just go online and order it. There, there's literally thousands of brands now. But how does it uh, come, and how do people take it? There's a variety of ways of administering CBD. Some of them are very much like pharmaceuticals. You can get gel caps. Um, you can get um, tinctures. Um, you can get it in... Um, what What is uh, a tincture? I hear that term all the time. A tincture is basically a liquid that's infused with uh, uh, a particular herbal extract in this case it would be the extract from the hemp plant or the cannabis plant with this which is would be rich in cbd it would then be a cbd rich tincture and you can um, drop it under the tongue or you could swallow it uh, cbd products are also available as creams as salves as rubs you can uh, rub it on your you know, an area of the body that's sore a lot of athletes do this um, and you can also uh, inhale CBD by vaping it or by smoking it. Now, smoking it is not, ne- not necessarily the best way of doing it because you can irritate the lungs and so forth. Uh, vaping has its own issues. Uh, it's a very quick way of experiencing the uh, benefits of uh, the CBD because uh, as soon as you inhale it, it's almost instantaneous that, that the, it is absorbed into the bloodstream, goes to the brain, and so forth. Uh, but there's some downsides from vaping as well. Uh, so each of these delivery systems, whether it's a gel cap or a tincture or, or, uh, or a topical rub or something you inhale, they have both, all of them have pros and cons in terms of 
what they bring to the table. If, if you need very quick relief of an acute pain or nausea or something like that, honestly, the best thing to do is if you can inhale it because it's so quick, the experience. But if you're experiencing chronic pain, you know, all day long and it's a deep pain, um, better to take something uh, edible, a gummy, a gel cap, something that you swallow it because whereas it takes longer for the experience to take effect, you'll have a deeper and a more long-lasting experience if you take it that way. So a lot of it depends on what condition one is um, trying to address. Uh, and, and there's almost surely a way of taking CBD to, to address that condition because there's so many ways of administering it. I, I'm most familiar with the uh, under-the-tongue-with-a-dropper kind mm -hmm. of way I, I i've done that a couple of times um one time turned out a little tragic because it turned out there was an awful lot of thc in it and i was not expecting that <laughs> yeah you'll feel that <laughs> oh yeah Sublim sublingual administration what you just described the under the tongue way of of taking a, a cbd drop i actually think it's a really good way of doing it because uh it's absorbed quicker uh, as compared to if you're actually swallowing it. When it goes under the tongue, it actually goes directly into the bloodstream that way. Um, whereas if you swallow it, it's got to go through the digestive tract and then, you know, so forth and so on. It takes longer. Um, so I think sublingual administration is a really good compromise, if you will, uh, between inhaling and the instantaneous effect you get uh, versus swallowing and, and the slow effect you get. Uh, sublingual administration is, is um, not uncommon, and it's a, a very valid means of administering um, CBD products. What are some of the things that people are reporting um, success with, uh, with regard to um, using CBD as treatments? What are patients and doctors saying are uh, the 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 best things to use CBD for? Well, our experience at Project CBD, based on the kind of uh, inquiries we get from, from people all over the world, and also on the basis of a survey we did, which was uh, over 5,000 respondents, it seems that there are three areas that really come to the, come to the top. Uh, anxiety, depression, and pain. All three of those uh, symptoms or conditions seem to be the most uh, popular, if you will, the, the main reasons why people are reaching for CBD. But I should emphasize it's really a lot of other reasons as well. Um, you've mentioned cancer, for example. That's something maybe after the break we could talk about a little more in detail because there's something to it. You know, in terms of animal studies, CBD does have an anti-cancer effect. Um, but it's a big but that I have to add to that. I would, I'm not one that goes around saying CBD or marijuana cures cancer. I think that's a... A foolish overstatement that doesn't help matters, but it can be helpful for cancer patients, and we can talk about, you know, how that might be the case. But I think when it comes down to it, pain, anxiety, and depression are the big three for CBD at this point. But I think there's a lot more on the horizon. Um, with regard to uh, cancer, because we have a few minutes before we go to break, um, the how does does it interact well with other treatments that people are getting for their cancer? Actually, that's a very good question, and, and I think this is a very, potentially a fruitful area. CBD does interact with many pharmaceuticals, including many anti-cancer pharmaceuticals. Um, 
that could be problematic. It depends on the interaction, or it could actually be helpful. Uh, what CBD does, it can delay or prevent the metabolism of another pharmaceutical. So that means it stays mm. in the system longer. So if it's a chemotherapy agent, um, that could be dangerous because it can build up in your system. However, if there's a doctor that knows what's going on here, if you combine CBD with your chemotherapy agent, it could also mean that you need less of the chemotherapy agent to be as effective as it would have been otherwise. And if you could take less of a very harsh toxic chemotherapy agent that trashes the body, that trashes the brain, that's a good thing. Um, and there's been a fairly, fairly num good number of tests on this, but mainly focusing on animals, showing how CBD combines with standard chemotherapy agents to have this kind of effect. Um, but I should also add that CBD is shown to have anti-tumoral properties in animal studies that in, in certain situations it will help to shrink a tumor. Um, we don't know that that's, that's going to be the case necessarily with people, but it does work on animals that way. And it also can help with nausea, so that people who are undergoing chemotherapy that are experiencing the adverse side effects of those standard and very important treatments can help themselves by um, utilizing uh, CBD or, or marijuana, for that matter. That's really the first way, I think, that marijuana became recognized uh, going back to the 1990s in California. It became recognized as helpful for nausea, for chemotherapy. People got real sick, but they'd smoke a little bit, and they'd feel a lot better. And if that's the case, people should be allowed to use it, in my opinion. How did you get started and end up uh, creating uh, Project CBD? Well, uh, I'm a journalist. You know, I've written several books, and I was interested in the medical cannabis phenomenon in California. I was writing about it. And naturally, it led me to the question of like, well, you know, these, a lot of people are saying this, that, and the other thing about it, singing the praises of marijuana and how it helps them medically. Is there any scientific basis to this? This is what I asked myself. So I began attending science conferences that focus on these questions. And we're talking about, you know, real straight-laced, you know, suit-and-tie kind of science. We're not talking about hippies and tie-dyes at these, at these uh, conferences. We're talking about hundreds of scientists from around the world, including Nobel Prize winners, who are talking about various aspects of their research into the cannabinoid system. They're not talking about smoking joints. They're not even talking about medical marijuana. They're talking about the hard science of what happens when they experiment with these things on mice. And what we were hearing at these conferences were absolutely jaw-dropping. And this is where I first learned about this substance cannabidiol, or CBD, which seemed to do these remarkable things for mice. You know, and I thought to myself, well, if it can do that for mice, wouldn't it be great if people could access this and we could find out if it would help people in this way? But unfortunately, the uh, medical marijuana world was totally oriented toward THC, toward the high-causing part of the plant, again, which does have medical benefits, but CBD wasn't part of the picture. So it became our mission at Project CBD to educate people initially within the medical marijuana world to emphasize to them, you know, that THC isn't the be-all and end-all. It's not the only game in town here, and we should pay attention to this other component, CBD, and uh, lo and behold, we found a few plants in Northern California that had a significant amount of CBD in them, and then we were off and running. So we're not only educating uh, the com medical community in California about this. This is going back now to 2010, 2011. Um, we also were involved in literally giving away the plants 
We created cuttings and clones from the CBD-rich cannabis plants we, we came in contact with. We never sold these things. We just gave them away because we wanted to see what would happen. It was like an experiment. What would happen if people actually started using this form of cannabis rather than just the high THC form? Would it be anything like uh, what we were learning about, uh, what scientists were finding with the mice? And, and if, it, if it was going to be like that, we thought this is going to be a really big deal. And it actually has proven to be the case. The, um, now, how, how did you go about laying this material out um, for the website and then also uh, for the new uh, Reader's Digest uh, Essential Guide to CBD? Well, you know, with the website, it, it built over time. This is not something we just put together in a day. It, it's websites, as you know, um, are, are um, plastic in the sense that they change, they evolve. Every week we're putting new content on as new information comes out. Um, and with Reader's Digest, it, it really uh, it came down to how can we communicate uh, the information on our website uh, in, in a way that's really accessible to people, uh, particularly to those who are not at all part of the cannabis world, who have nothing to do with it, never tried it, or maybe they, they, they smoked a joint in college, they didn't like it, and that was it, or whatever. But we wanted to speak to as mainstream an audience as possible. And for that, in my opinion, uh, Reader's Digest is ideal. They have a great reputation going back a long time. They have a huge media audience of their own. And so we, we together, you know, we talked about it, and we said, well, what do we need to communicate? Well, and so the book is really in three parts. It's initially, you know, what are the basics about CBD? How does it work? What do scientists know about it? And then we have a second part that focuses on various conditions from A to Z. What, what do we know specifically about CBD and heart disease? What do we know specifically about CBD and cancer? Uh, what, is, what is the hard scientific facts about this? Um, and then there's a third part about, okay, so people now know about it. They know about it. it might help some conditions. What do they do if they want to actually get some CBD? How do they negotiate or, or interact with this vast, unregulated marketplace of CBD products? You, you can get it in gas stations now, or, or you can get it at your chiropractor's office or health food store, or you can also get it at a medical marijuana dispensary. And I actually think that's the best place uh, to get CBD products because it's more likely they will have been tested and, and uh, you, we can know for sure what's in the product. In California, uh, you, if you get CBD from a medical marijuana dispensary, you'll know the product has been tested for o over 65 different pesticide residues, solvent residues, to make sure this uh, doesn't exceed any allowable limits. Uh, what's said on the label of the product, how much CBD is in there, has to actually match what's in the product. Oftentimes it's not in the sort of the cowboy universe of, of CBD products, the unregulated universe. So, you know, in states where medical cannabis is available, that, or adult use cannabis, I think that's the best way to go because you're more likely to get a, a safer and a higher quality product. But there's also good quality products one can get just over the internet. The problem and the challenge is how do you know what's good compared to what's not so good? You know, how, how, how do we know uh, if a company's really um, selling something that's advertised as such? Or Yeah, um, I want to talk yeah. a little bit yeah. more about. Uh, about quality control and about the the the, the, the cowboy nature uh, of this uh, developing uh, product, um, but I have to take a break here, Martin. Can you stick around again for a few more minutes, and we'll wrap sure. things up? Okay, yes, my guest will. is uh, Martin Lee. 
Uh, he is the uh, founder and director there, of citizens. Project Dark CBD. We'll be right here. back. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dance headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at 4 in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! 
This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, continue my conversation with the um, founder and director of Project CBD, who has uh, teamed up with Reader's Digest for a new tome called The Essential Guide to CBD. And uh, his name is Martin Lee. He joins me by phone. Martin, thanks again for sticking around, and uh, sorry again to make you sit through all that. That's no problem at all. I appreciate it. Um, Martin, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about, uh, well, we had kind of brushed up against quality control. Is is one of the things that, that this book from uh, Reader's Digest and Project CBD, is, is one of the things that it does um, explain to people how they can make sure they're getting what they're expecting to get. What is quality control like in the growing and production of CBD products? Unfortunately, it's largely missing. Not not completely missing, but largely. As we were saying before the break, you know, there's kind of two universes that sit side by side with all this. It should all be one, but right now, because of the legal situation, we have legal medical cannabis in a number of different states, a growing number, or or legal adult use, where the products are more regulated. uh, By law, they have to be tested. It it, it can give a a consumer more assurance that if if you go to a dispensary that's a licensed storefront, licensed by a state to sell certain kinds of products, a consumer can feel more product, uh, more confident. Excuse me, that they're getting what they're told. That 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 it is what what's on the label is actually what's in the product, and that the product has been tested and it meets certain basic safety standards. Unfortunately, the FDA has abdicated its responsibility um, to regulate the CBD industry as a whole, because in addition to the medical cannabis world, we have this huge other world of, of the CBD products that are not part of, uh, the licensed medical cannabis world or adult use world. And that's where you get into some trickier waters. Um, there are some really excellent quality products uh, available in that way. Uh, but it's difficult sometimes to know what's what and what's a good product and what's not. So that's, I think, one of the real valuable contributions from the Reader's Digest book. It really helps a, a person navigate that landscape, which can be rather confusing. You know, I mean, in general, we say uh, best place to get CBD, probably not from your uh, gas station, uh, but it's going to be available <laughs> there. Uh, you know, uh, you should shop for CBD as the one which shop for any kind of food stuff, really. Uh, a conscious food shopper will look at the label. If they see, you know, uh, 25 different chemical compounds listed on, on the product, they think, well, maybe um, it's not quite what I want. I want something a little more organic. Um, same thing with CBD product. If you, if you look at it and it says on the label, red dye this, yellow dye that, artificial sugars, corn syrup, I steer away from those kind of products personally. Uh, but uh, And you can get good quality uh, products that don't have artificial colors and artificial flavors. That would be one clue, for example, of, of what to look for. But I think the Reader's Digest book does, does a good job of, of really delineating what's what to helping a person you know, guide, guide them through this landscape that's a little bit tricky right now. 
Will the landscape come more into focus if uh, marijuana is is federally legalized? I would hope so. Uh, if anything, I mean, is that what's holding back these government agencies that generally regulate and and uh, uh, oversee these kinds of quality issues? Yeah, again, we're in this sort of a transition period where federally, uh, technically speaking, CBD is against the law unless it's prescribed uh, as a pharmaceutical, uh, or at least it's in a gray area of law. It's so confusing. You know, CBD technically right now um, is considered a Schedule five, uh, Schedule 1 substance, excuse me, which is uh, tantamount to, uh, it's even more dangerous than heroin. Marijuana is Schedule 1. It's, it's the most strict, it's considered dangerous drug with no medical value. CBD is simultaneously uh, unscheduled if it's part of a prescription uh, drug. It, it, it's considered so safe, it doesn't even make it to the fifth schedule, which is a very safe uh, uh, prescription drug. So you, we have this contradiction in the law, contradiction between federal and state law, and ultimately it comes down to that the law is based on a big lie, and the lie is that cannabis or marijuana is a dangerous drug with no medical value. And that's really where our whole drug policy rests on right now. And unfortunately, the whole discussion in the legal framework for CBD is kind of caught up in all this. It shouldn't be. It's a remarkably safe substance. Um, and, it, you know, there's never been anyone who's died from CBD or anything like that. You, you can't overdose on it, although you can probably take too much in, in ways that will uh, undercut its medical value. One of the very curious things about CBD and cannabis, uh, which we point out in the Reader's Digest book, is that a small dose, the effect is, could be just the opposite of a large dose. Uh, for example, with CBD, a small dose can actually be a little bit like a cup of coffee, a little bit uh, slightly stimulating. Not, you don't get the caffeine jitters or anything like that. But, but if you take a large dose, it can be uh, uh, in sleep-inducing. You know, so if someone wants to use uh, CBD for sleep issues, as many do, unless they get some kind of guidance, they might think, well, I'll just take a little and try it before bed, and they end up staying up all night. You know, but if they took a big dose, they'd, they'd sleep like a, you know, they sleep like a baby. So this is where education comes in, and we're lacking uh, a societal, full, full on, you know, full, full court press on education because uh, we're still we're in a transition period, uh, moving out of prohibition into a sort of more healthy, normalized relationship with the plant in general and with its components, CBD and THC, for that matter, in particular. Well, my guest is uh, Martin Lee, who is the founder and director of Project CBD. They've teamed up with the editors of Reader's Digest for the essential guide to CBD. Martin, we have to uh, wrap it up, but thanks so much for uh, spending your time and, and sharing your expertise with me and the listeners this morning. It's been a pleasure. I used to live in Michigan. It's always good to be back, even if it's by uh, long-distance radio. <laughs> well, I uh, I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Um, just very quickly, as I do with all guests, I give them an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more. Is there a uh, website for Project CBD? Yes, and I would encourage people to check out Project CBD, it's one word, dot org, O-R-G, um, there's really a lot on the website, and it's uh, kind of a, uh, well, it's really where a lot of the information that went into the book comes from, though not entirely, uh, but it's also updated 
uh, if not daily, certainly weekly with new material. And if you go on the website now, you could find a little um, excerpt from the book. We, we featured something on CBD, what its implications are for heart disease. Heart disease, of course, is quite prevalent in our society. Well, Martin, thanks again, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Tom. Take care. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hi, I'm Alexander Zajic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. <laughs> 